Well, good morning, Sailorville. Debbie Mothershed. Holy smokes. Wow. What a powerful testimony. And a great new idea for fundraising. Sponsorships. If you brought a copy of scripture with you this morning, you can find Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 as we continue in this series, The Church at War, The Invisible War, but a war nevertheless. Ephesians chapter 6. I was, uh, as I was uh, studying this, I was reminded of a famous story of Muhammad Ali, you know, the greatest, you know was on an airplane one day, and uh, he was very, being typically bombastic, and he was, you know, talking and bragging and entertaining all of the passengers, and the stewardess walked up to him and said, uh, Mr. Ali, uh, we're getting ready to take off. You're going to have to sit down and, and put your seatbelt on, and he looked at the stewardess. He said, do you know who I am? I'm Superman. Superman don't need no seatbelt, and... Uh, the stewardess was not deterred. She said, that's true, and Superman doesn't need an airplane either, so get over there and buckle up. <laughs> the Apostle Paul's last words to the Ephesians were, put your belt on, the belt of truth. And to remind you that Paul is writing from a, Rome, uh, a prison, rather, uh, in a cell, in Rome itself. And as he's writing this epistle, led by the Holy Spirit, he lifts up the quill and thinks, what's the last thing I should say to these precious followers of Christ? Now, he is chained to a Roman soldier. The Roman soldier was the very epitome of strength and courage and discipline. And suddenly, the thought seized upon him, this, this, this man, this outfit he's wearing is the perfect metaphor for the fight that we are in. Warren Wiersbe famously said, the Christian life isn't a playground, it's a battleground. And he was right. And we love some of those Old Testament stories. We love those narratives of, like, especially David and Goliath. Every, every, you know, everybody loves the story of David and Goliath. Here is David uh, getting ready to fight Goliath. He rejects the armor that Saul offers him. And why did he reject it? Because it didn't fit. Remember that? And yet he took the giant down with one slingshot to the head. Well, church, we ain't fighting Goliath. Our enemy is much bigger than the warrior whose poster was on every Philistine kid's wall. Our enemy is well-organized, time-tested, and invisible. He and his army of demons have successfully invaded everything in our culture that you and I encounter our schools, the media, the arts, the sciences, politics, and to a large degree, 
something in you. We all swim in this culture, this world, this cosmos that the Bible warns us about when John tells us, love not the cosmos, neither the things of the cosmos. For all that is in the cosmos, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the sinful pride of life is not of the Father. It's of the, it's of the cosmos. It's of the world. And the world is passing away in all of its lust. But he who does the will of the Father abides forever. The world what is the world? It's not talking about terra firma. It's not talking about the earth as we understand it. It's talking about a mindset. It's talking about, in essence, the way of Satan. His thinking, his behaving, his infiltration, and he has infiltrated your mind and absolutely do not, do not deny what I just said. Every one of us have to struggle against this. And some of us are not winning very well. Just the other day, one of the new Christians that uh, I was, uh, I've been working with, he actually fought in Afghanistan. This whole concept of the church at war uh, enamored him. Uh, the following passage took on a whole new meaning to, as he imagined being told to prepare to fight with no armor, no weapons, no uniform. And the armor of God, unlike Saul's, God's armor fits and you and I cannot afford to go out with a slingshot. We need much more than that. So to the text itself, let's look at that armor, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the what? The whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the what? The whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. There are six articles of armor that are listed here, and they appear in the order in which they would have been put on. And then he's added, just so that we don't let the metaphor run away from us, Paul adds a seventh one, namely prayer. I want you to note in verse 10, he tells us to put on. It's, it's exactly what you think it is. It's, a, it's clothing terminology. Put on. We're not babies. Mommy can't put these on you. You have to put them on yourself. And he says it, and we, for emphasis, I ask you to repeat it or to actually quote it. The whole armor of God, you saw that. He says it twice. He says it in verse 13 as well. Why? Because while we'll look at each part, part won't do. And then he says we're doing this to get ready, if you look in verse 13, for the evil day. You see that? And I know what some of you are thinking. Well, that's, that's today, man. We're living in an evil day. Well, Paul wrote it back then. 
And then some of you think, well, yeah, every day is an evil day. Now, you're not thinking like a soldier. We have plenty of soldiers and ex-soldiers, ex-military in our, in our church, and they can tell you what this means. A soldier would get this. Their battles were not continuous. The evil day for a soldier was the day he actually fought. Went to the fight. The other days, wait for this, the other days were for preparing, for practicing, for rehearsing, for drilling. Just the other day, one of the guys I meet with texted our group, said, won't be at the study this morning, I have drill. Why drill? So that we'll be ready for the fight when it comes to us. That's why. And whether you're in a fight right now or not, you better be drilling. That's the whole purpose of this. That's the whole purpose of this. And that is readiness, preparedness. That's the purpose of this whole passage. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. That's our line for the morning. You ever see someone who didn't put on a belt but should have? It's not a good look. My wife knows this because uh, I, I, I walked across the living room just a couple weeks ago and she said, you don't have a belt on, do you? <laughs> Honey, put a belt on. The Roman soldier's belt was made of leather. It had metal as well. It was apron-like, so it would protect the lower extremities. The sheath by which the sword would, be, would find its place was fastened to the belt. And most importantly, the belt, the Roman soldier's belt, kept every other part of the uniform together. The breastplate, particularly, would not fit well. That would protect the vitals, and particularly the heart if the belt wasn't cinched up right. We are talking about the belt, the belt of truth. Paul saw the belt as a metaphor for the truth. Truth holds everything together. It holds it together. So what kind of truth, that's the question here, great Great question this day where everybody's questioning what truth is. What kind of truth is Paul referring to here? Is he referring to objective truth, the word of God? We just sang about it. Is that what he's referring to? Objective truth, the objective truth of God? Or is he referring to subjective truth? That is, a truthful life, truthfulness, a life of integrity. Uh, what truth does? The answer, I think, is both. But there is a Greek nuance here, which I'll come back to, that actually points to the subjective, the character of truth. It is character that cinches up our life. Objectively, however, objective truth does many things, and we just, we just heard the testimony of it. Truth saves. 
Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation in faith in Christ Jesus, right? It saves. Peter says, we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which is forever, right? Truth saves. Truth separates. That is, it sanctifies. It makes us holy. Jesus said, separate, sanctify them, Lord, by your truth. He said, your word is truth. It leads us, and you know that scripture. Thy word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. Truth enlightens. The entrance of your word brings light. It gives understanding to the simple. That's why I read it, because I'm a simple guy. Truth sets us free, and Jesus said that, right? If you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. It also delights, does it not? Jeremiah said, your word I did find and I did eat it and it was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. So it delights us, does it not? Truth doesn't just, it it energizes us when we don't feel very energetic. The same Jeremiah preached to an audience that never listened. That's why he's called the weeping prophet. He got so fed up, he says, I will not make mention of him or speak anymore in his name, Jeremiah 20, verse nine. But then he says, but his, your word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones and I was weary of holding back and could not. It energizes us. That's what this truth does. And it's profitable, right? All scripture is profitable, right? For what? Teaching, reproof, correction, instruction, or training in righteousness that the person of God would be complete, equipped for every good work. So strap it on. Put the belt of truth on every day. It's so necessary no matter where you're at in your life. Just the other day, a broken-hearted man came to me. His wife had died just a few months ago. He claims to be a Christian. I don't know him that well. But through a series of circumstances, he sought me out, even called me, found my number. So, he wanted comfort. He, he thought, you know, you, you've been through this. Help me. I understood that. I tried to encourage him, and I, I talked to him about how precious the word of God was in his situation. I told him how precious it was to me. I told him how precious it could be to him. He said, but it, I mean, it just, it's it blankety-blank that I'm in this condition. I get it, I said. I understand. But you need to hear from God. I sensed in my conversation with him, that he really didn't believe me. He kind of acknowledged that he did. But you know how it is when you're talking to somebody, you're thinking, you don't really believe this, do you? Exactly five weeks, which was about the same time frame, give or take a few weeks, as this man. Exactly. I looked it up in my notes. Exactly five weeks after my wife passed away, I found myself overwhelmed with heaviness. 
And this is what I read. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. And he did. And he does. That's why you need the belt of truth. Now, subjectively, there's, um, I told you there's a Greek nuance here. There, there's no article in the Greek here when it says put in the, the belt of truth. There's no article. There's no, the word the isn't there. Okay? And I point that out because when, that, when, when there's an absence of an article in the Greek, that usually points to the, like the character of the word, in this case, what truth does. And I think this is what Paul has mostly in mind. The belt of truthfulness, or to put it differently, a life of integrity. And by the way, the, reason, the other reason I believe this is because it, otherwise it makes the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, that, that's one of the, that is that, that offensive weapon, which we'll, we'll get to, Lord willing, in the weeks to come. That is definitely referring to the word of God, right? Otherwise, to me, it seems redundant. Why is he saying it twice? If your life matches your beliefs, that will hold everything else together. Your very world around you might be falling apart. Your health, your job, your marriage, your kids, this country, but you will keep it together because the belt of truth will keep you together. That's what it does. The belt of truth. So belt up with the truth. That's, that's how we're gonna conclude our time here. Belt up your mind. Belt up your mind. Peter tells us this in 1 Peter 1.13. He says, in fact, the, the, the old version says, uh, gird up the loins of your mind. Which is kind of a weird way of putting it, isn't it? Yeah, hey, gird up the loins of your mind. What does that mean? It actually referred to the Roman soldier or any who would take their robes because they had long flip and they would tuck them up into their belt so as, to, so as to take care of all this encumbrance, all of these things that impeded going forward or fighting. Truth doesn't tie you up it, or trip you up. It frees you up. And listen to this. Your Mind is the primary theater of battle. You lose there, you lose. You will lose. This is why Paul said, take captive every thought to the obedience which is in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 10, right? Your mind is the primary theater of battle. Win there and you're likely to win elsewhere. Your mind. Packer fans, I'm sorry. What a miserable game you played last week in your attempt to get into the playoffs. Playing against the lowly Lions. Lions, pretty good team now, but. Uh, well, it, so I was intrigued with this game, but I, different things intrigue me than intrigue others. Um, their defensive back, poor guy, lost it. He lost his mind for a few moments. His name was Quay Walker. And uh, at a very, very, very critical moment in the game, while the Lions were driving, 
a lion got hurt. And one of the athletic trainers ran out on the field to help the lion that got hurt. And the defensive back for the Packers pushed him. Pushed him. Bad idea. He got ejected. The Packers were penalized. Probably cost him the game. In the midst of it, what I noticed was not the push. I noticed the coach. Here's what the coach was doing. Look what he's doing. You see what he's doing? Use your head. Get your head in the game. Which is exactly what happens when the pressure is on. That'll tell you whether your head's in the game. What you do in those moments will let you know whether you have buckled up your mind with the belt of truth. Belt up your mind. Belt up your mouth. I'm preaching to the choir here. We've already learned from this epistle, speak the truth, what? In love, right? Speaking the truth in love. In fact, chapter four, verse 20, where is that? 24? Uh, four, verse 25. Ha, uh, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Why belt up the mouth? Because a lot of things are coming out of our mouths that probably should have stayed in there. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, I, I believe, therefore I spoke. If truth is getting in, truth should be coming out. So belt up your mouth. Finally, belt up your manners. We just sang about grace, right? We just heard about grace. The grace of God in somebody's life. We sang about it. Amazing grace, the 250th anniversary. What does grace do? Paul tells us what grace does. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us to say no to ungodliness and unrighteousness, but to live soberly and godly in this generation. Looking unto Jesus, right? Belt up your manners. Remember, just as the belt held the rest of a soldier's armor in place, so does a righteous life. What it brings you is wholeness. Think wholeness. A life of integrity. The a life of integrity is the, the opposite of which is a life of duplicity. A life of duplicity is a double life. Interestingly, the, our very English word integrity actually comes from a French word. We get our, if you, 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 you uh, mathematicians out there love, you know, you, you, you know of integers. What's an integer? It's a whole number. That's where the word integrity even comes from. As, as opposed to Fractions. Not long ago, an old friend reached out to me. When I say an old friend, somebody I haven't, I haven't genuinely interacted with with any regularity for over 35 years. Reached out to me and we went out together for a meal. Newman Bible College. He'd done a lot of ministering in 
between now, then and now. His entire family is a shambles. His marriage is over. And I listened to him. He put his finger continuously, pointing it continuously at his estranged wife and his wayward kids and never at himself. And over that lunch, I doubted him. And he sensed it. He was not a whole man. He was not a wholesome man. There was not any wholeness in him because there was no humility in him. If you belt up with truth, you'll have objective truth, the word of God, but you'll have subjective truth as well. You'll have a life to back it up. And that is a powerful thing in this world. And it's what this crazy world needs. Men and women of God who will stand up for the truth of God and live a life that backs it up. The belt of truth. Strap it on. Truth believed leads to truth behaved. Jesus said, I am the way and the what? He is the embodiment of truth. And before his life ended, he stood before Pilate, who interrogated him, bloodied and beaten. And Jesus said to Pilate, he who is of the truth hears my voice. Do you remember what Pilate asked him? Pilate said, oh yeah? Well, what is truth? And he was staring at the very embodiment of it. Some of you have stared at the truth most of your life. You've heard it from your parents. You've heard it from your pastors. You've heard it from Sunday school teachers. And you even believe it. You've got the one side of the ledger all intact. How's the other one looking? That's the one that'll hold you together. Both of them together. It's like an airplane. What's the most important wing when you're 30,000 feet up in the air? The right one or the left one? Need them both. And I would just ask you, I only wish you were doing the Lord's table today because I would ask you to examine yourself right now if you have a life of real integrity. I didn't say perfect. There isn't anybody perfect here. I get that. But a life that doesn't just believe the truth, but behaves it. Your life is cinched up, and you're making a difference for glory and gospel. Some of you don't know Jesus. You know the truth, but you've never believed that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. If you've never repented, really repented from your heart, and believed the gospel, do so today so that you can enter into the truth, right? 
and have a life that matches what you believe. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you so much for the truth, your truth, your son, the embodiment of truth, for your word, the Bible, (laughs) for its truth, how powerful your word is, Lord, and how many of us have tested that over and over again to to discover over and over again that it is truth, and we so need it, so desperately, desperately need it. But Lord, we've also learned today the importance of a life of integrity, a life, a subjective truth in our lives that tells others around us, he doesn't just believe this, he lives this. She doesn't just speak this. It's true about her life. The belt of truth. Oh God, help us to be good soldiers and soldierettes in this fight in which we stand. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.